Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. At the NSMQ final, it says our thoughts are with his family at this difficult time. And we have some comments um, and that. This one here from Kelvin Ishan says, God created a very beautiful world, but people living in it are cruel and wicked. Rest in peace, bro. Sleep well. This one here from Dr. Rashid Al-Hassan says, So unfortunate. Condolences to the family. This one here says, Kukwintri says, Rest well, young man. It goes on and on. But we have an audio of him um, in the 2021 finals of the National Science and Maths Quiz. Premper College won that particular year, 2021, with 53 points. Presec at 49 points. Katasko at 30 points. We have James Lutrot answering a question right in this audio. This is it. This is why we are here. An opportunity to lift this trophy, right? Once again, design a vaccine for viruses with high mutation rates, such as the cold and flu viruses. All right, Premier College. Many protein fragments are represented so that the immune system overreacts. Evans? False. Yes. The vaccines tend to be unstable and deteriorate over time. It's a false statement. Yes. Specific virus may quickly become obsolete. Lutrot. True. Yes. And that's how he bows out. May his soul rest in perfect peace. And that's how we wrap up today's edition of Newsnight here on Joy 99.7 FM. Up next is our health and wellness series with Lexis Bill. We have Dr. Osafo, we have Wise Lecher, amongst others. You want to stay, we're, talk, we're talking about cardiovascular health. It's very important that you stay for this discussion. I am MFR Paul. And my name is Evans Mentor. Get up to 50% off Electroland Ghana Limited products. Massive Discount Bazaar is on again. Get massively discounted electronics and home appliances from Electrolux, Samsung, Media, ABB, Nasco, Homeland, and Good News Toshiba is having a clearance sale. From Friday to Sunday, 7th, 8th, and 9th of July, 9 a.m. each morning at Coca-Cola Runabout Spintex. Items are a mixture of brand new, slightly used, scratched, showroom display, repaired, and dented. Call 050-315-9739. EGL, home of electronics and affordable luxury. Habitat Fair is here again. The 2023 edition of the Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair starts with the first clinic as follows. Date, Friday 7th to Sunday 9th July 2023 from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Venue, Achimota Mall. Time, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. This year's exhibition is under the theme 
home ownership, affordability, comfort, or luxury. Visit the clinic and engage the providers in the housing value chain on all your housing needs, be it financing, land acquisition, rent to own, outright purchase, roofing, lighting, electronic appliances, home security, or furnishing. The EcoBank Join News Habitat Fair is your one-stop shop for everything housing. For exhibition, please call 0540-110-389 or 0244-260-653. There will be daily giveaways from sponsors to visitors at the fair. The EcoBank Join News Habitat Fair 2023 is powered by the Plant City Extension Projects from Cities and Habitats and sponsored by Virtual Security Africa, Complete Security Solution, DBS Roofing, your roof experts, Elegant Homes and Constructions Limited, where quality meets value, Syntex Tanks, Air Strong, Air Tough, the EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair, affordability, comfort, or luxury. Light up your Eid! This Eid season, Electrol and Ghana Limited is giving you discounts on a wide range of products. Talk of NASCO, Media, TCO or Samsung, fridges, air conditioners, television sets, microwaves, washing machines and many more. Visit any of our showrooms today and let the magic of the crescent illuminate your Eid today. Electrol and Ghana Limited, lighten up your Eid like never before. Joy 99.7 FM, radio for the discerning listener.
Kidoki, you're live on Joy 99.7 FM. Good evening and welcome to our health and wellness series, the third edition here on your super station. My name is Lexus Bill. Well, put together by the Drive team, we seek to actually educate you on issues of health. We've actually had a couple sessions in the past and I'll tell you all about it. But before we get in there, listen, owning a home is an accomplishment. And when it comes to choosing our preference of living, we're faced with a dilemma. Do we go for affordability? Do we go for comfort or luxury? Well, we're going to help you choose your preferred home at the 14th edition of the Ecobank Joint News Habitat Fair, powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Cities and Habitats. We're going to start our mini clinics this weekend at the Achimota Mall. So from Friday, you need to come through and speak to the exhibitors. There's like a one-stop shop for everything housing. So if you want to roof, you want to build, you want to paint, whatever you need, we're going to be there. If you want to find out more, you can call our number on 540 one one zero three eight nine that's zero five four zero one one zero three eight nine and your browsing experience on myjoyonline.com just got better with the new interface and outlook yeah get the latest news in politics business sports entertainment and lifestyle on the new myjoyonline.com portal the new platform comes with a better and stronger rich content integration yeah easily Access content from video to audio on the new myjoyonline.com portal. And do share your feedback with us via mail at editors at myjoyonline.com. Or you can send us a WhatsApp on 055-1111-997 so we can improve your experience and serve you even better. So, like I said earlier, in the past, we have looked at family health history and nutrition, sleep and its effect on physical and mental well-being. We've looked at disorders of the thyroid gland and also, the festive season and risk to your health. Now, today, we focus on another critical part of your well-being. At least my little biology tells me that our body is made up of a complex system of organs. And I'm sure doc, uh, Dr. Saffo will agree. And the doctors here will agree. <laughs> yes, a complex system of organs. And at the heart of the system is, of course, the heart. Yeah, there are blood vessels and all that aid the functions of the hearts. And I think so many things can go wrong in the system. And unfortunately, these problems are quite popular in our part of the world. Cardiovascular diseases, we call them. And some of us are familiar with the terms hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol. Now, interestingly, cardiovascular disease-related deaths account for nearly 9.2% of all deaths and also the leading cause of death among those aged over 45 years in the African region, according to reports that I actually cited a little earlier. Now, they also account for about 70-10% of all adult medical admissions at hospitals within Africa. The statistics are worrying, but luckily, with education on these conditions, we'll be able to drop the numbers. And this evening, we have a crack line of a crack lineup of professionals who will speak to this topic and help us navigate the murky medical terrain so that we can actually be healthier for longer. Before I introduce my speakers for this evening, we are streaming live on our YouTube channel and also on the Joy News and Joy Prime Facebook pages and on myjoyonline.com. You can tweet at us with the hashtag health and wellness series and send your questions as well ahead to 055 A bit later in the evening, we'll activate the phone line so you can get through us on phone with your questions as well. The number is 0302-216-541. 
Speaking to our topics this evening is our drive doctor, Dr. Yao Osafu. He's the CEO of Medicas Hospital. He's a specialist in clinical biochemistry and metabolic medicine. And he's here. Doc, how are you? Good I'm to good. see you on a Monday good. evening. Uh-huh. Very unusual. <laughs> yeah. I'm here on Wednesday afternoon. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's good to be out here in Accra yeah. on a Monday evening. How are you doing, by the way? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Had a fruitful, tiring weekend, but uh-huh. fruitful. Yeah. Okay, well, we're back in the thick of it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Welcome. Good nice to, to have here. you. Now, we have also here Mr. Weiss Chikudi Lecha, who's an author. I actually have three of his books. I'll tell you all about them. He's a dietitian as well. And Mr. Weiss Chikudi Lecha is here. Welcome, Honorable. Yeah, thank you, Lexi. You came along with a lot of wisdom to share with us, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Be <laughs> nice, rest nice. And I'm yeah. sure you're excited about this conversation. Why? Uh, because um, the, the burden of cardiovascular diseases is mm. um, so high. And um, the worst part is that you just hear that a young man, a young lady is gone or dead. Uh, someone in the prime of their life, mm-hmm. 40 years, 35 years. And everything points to the fact that their blood pressure rose. They went to hospital. They went into coma. They had a stroke. All these uh, stories are becoming too much, right? right? So any least opportunity I get to educate people, to bring their minds home to simple things that can help prevent mm-hmm. or manage these conditions, I jump onto it. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. Welcome. And also on our panel this evening, in fact, the last time she was here, we we're talking about her book that she had just launched, uh, Let's Dog Diabetes, a reference guide for patients and their caregivers. Dr. Yakoba Atiasi, she is a... Uh, 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 she's a diabetologist, an endocrinologist, and a physician specialist. Doc, you're welcome. Thank you, <laughs> I mean, it was a mouthful. Like, uh, you can't blame me. <laughs> you studied all that. <laughs> but how are you doing, by the way? I'm, I'm, I'm well. Nice, well, nice. You. And and you already have a, a, a special guide for patients and caregivers about diabetes. But more importantly, you seek to educate more people about this condition. Yes, I actually like talking about diabetes. You can see my, my book is entitled Let's Talk Diabetes. Right. It's one of the favorite my favorite things to talk about. Mm. And so I think this evening I'm 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 really happy and right. happy to talk about diabetes and how it's related to cardiovascular disease and how to prevent it. Okay. Well we're taking a leaf out of her book today. And later we'll tell you about how you can also get one of the books because it has a whole lot of information that you would need. But we're going to start off with a conversation about hypertension. Yes, hypertension and how it impacts cardiovascular health. Dr. Yao Safo uh, is going to have that uh, conversation with us. Doc, so we're starting off talking about cardiovascular diseases and apparently hypertension is one of those conditions. Right. So good evening to all our listeners and it's good to be here this evening, third edition of the Health and Wellness Series. And uh, in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to attempt to talk about hypertension in 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, People spend um, two to three years studying hypertension. So to talk about it in 20 minutes is going to be a challenge. But um, Kwame will give it a try. I'm going to look at certain areas of hypertension because it's a disease that most of us know a thing or two about. If I ask my grandma about hypertension, she would tell me BP. Uh, so everybody knows a thing or two about BP. Right. So we're going to look at certain aspects of, of this particular condition 
um, that I feel with the information is not quite right and then also give some some tips um, about it. But Kwame, let's start with a definition. So what is this thing that Ghanaians call BP? Blood pressure. Well, everybody has a blood pressure. The blood would flow through your blood vessels only under pressure. So everybody has a blood pressure. So that's not what we are referring to. But we're actually talking about a consistently elevated blood pressure, which can be damaging to your health. So that is what hypertension is about, and not just the presence of a blood pressure. So when we take a measurement right now, everybody would, would have a reading. So when you have consistently elevated blood pressure, then we would call that person hypertensive or would say or slap on the diagnosis hypertension. Blood pressure is typically represented by two numbers. Kwame, uh, it's not Luto numbers. <laughs> it's not too sure. Right, but there are always two numbers. What we call the systolic blood pressure, which is the upper reading, and then the diastolic blood pressure, which is the second number. The first number, the systolic blood pressure, represents the pressure in your blood vessels or the artery when the heart beats or when the heart contracts. And then when the heart relaxes to take in more blood, then that is the second reading. So one during contraction, that's the upper reading, and then the other one during relaxation is the second reading. Both numbers are very, very important. But before I continue, Kwame, let me share with you some key facts regarding this disease condition we call hypertension. Number one, an estimated 1.28 billion adults aged 30 to 79 years around the world have hypertension. So that's a huge number. Total world population is a little over 7 billion. So you have close to 1.3 billion hmm. who are aged between 30 and 79 globally who have hypertension. Two-thirds of this number live in low and middle-income countries. And I mean places like Ghana, the West African sub-region, Sub-Saharan Africa. Yes, two-thirds of the number live in this part. And this is according to the WHO. In Ghana, an estimated 34% of the population uh, aged between 30 and 70 years has hypertension. And again, that's a huge number. That's a huge 34% of the population. Globally, an estimated 46% of adults with hypertension are unaware that they have this condition. So only 56% receive the diagnosis. So you've got a huge number of people walking out there who have hypertension who do not know it. In Ghana, more than 600,000 people, including 400,000 females and 200,000 men are diagnosed with high blood pressure each year. So that's the, the data from the Ghana Health Service. Globally, only one in five adults, that's about 21% who have hypertension, have it under control. One in five. So those who know it and who have it under control, one in five. And then lastly, hypertension is estimated to contribute to about 12.8% of all deaths annually around the world. 
so these are very sobering facts and very very disturbing facts about this particular disease condition and in this evening's discussion we're going to look at different aspects and probably find out why we have these numbers and whether or not we can do anything about it i think we can do a lot about it so first off let's look at these two numbers how do we accurately measure blood pressure because in terms of making the diagnosis i think it's relatively simple we've got internationally recognized bodies that give us guidelines for the diagnosis so you need two numbers and if you know how to situate or what to do with those two numbers you have a diagnosis so let me share a story with you i once went with the missus to the market madina market let me go and hear my boy these days you have to know what is happening in town so we are walking through the market and then i see young men with this bp device hanging from their shoulders and they're just walking through the market and checking people's blood pressures mm. oh wow attempting to check people's blood pressures i was very very worried some people's blood pressures were being taken at the same time they are selling or attracting customers to come and attend or buy their or patronize their wares hmm. so one are we me correctly measuring blood pressures and that's where i want to take off to determine one's blood pressure is high it must be measured and then you need to compare it with the threshold set by some of these globally accepted bodies so we've got the who for example that partners with the international society of hypertension and then they come out with some guidelines they will tell you for example that if your upper reading hits 140 or more or your lower reading hits 90 or more on two or more occasions then we would make a diagnosis of hypertension there are other bodies the american bodies also have a different take on this so you've got the american cardiology uh, college of cardiology american heart association they also come out with their guidelines so if you're american oriented then you have different numbers that you play with they are using 130 for the upper reading and then 80 for the lower reading so these numbers exist so making a diagnosis is not that difficult measuring accurately is where the catch is there's so no the african metric uh, okay, we, right, we have right. adopted is it WHO? Because you're uh, telling compasses. me about the American <coughs> and that's American. And then I told you about WHO. Ah, okay. WHO is It's for all of us. Then, then why is America doing it? Yes. Kwame, you want to cause trouble this evening. Okay. The Americans have their own system. All right, I hear you. <laughs> I'm just saying I trust Ghana Health Service. You know, oh, yeah, so we, we, we tend to follow what they do with the guidelines, okay, you cool. know, which is made up of many different countries, experts from different countries. So we are in there okay. um, when they have their uh, technical working groups. They have experts who come from all over. So Kwame, let's talk about the device for measuring the BP or the blood pressure. It is called the Sphigbo Manometer, or the Sphig for short. So most people are familiar with this particular device. When I was young, or when I started off in med school, you would find nurses um, using what we call the auscultatory method, meaning they would put the stethoscope in their ears, the earpiece there, and then they would put a piece of the stethoscope in the uh, 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 depression in your in your in your in your elbow region. 
and then you see this device sitting on their desk with uh, a mercury rising in the tube and that was how it was checked these days we have newer devices that are electronic you strap the cuff on the arm and then you press a button and then a reading uh, um, uh, a measurement is displayed on the screen this is non-invasive method so the non-invasive method means that we're not getting inside of the blood vessel to measure the, the blood pressures but when you go when we talk about scientific method or research-based methods then we know that the blood pressure that is measured inside of the blood vessel is the most accurate but we're not able to do that because that's an invasive method so in the clinics in the communities we would use the non-invasive blood pressure monitoring mm. it is very important that the device that you use is calibrated what do we mean by calibration so cal calibration is a scientific method by which the reading on the device as you see it on the display is accurately related to what is being measured mm. so calibration is very very important for every measuring device whether it's a bathroom scale whether it's a glucometer or it's a blood pressure device it needs to be calibrated so the commonest example i'd use here is the fuel pumps but i think when it comes to petrol issue there's a lot of you know we are very concerned about that so everybody's looking at that the reading making sure that it's starting at zero and when you say two gallons you want it to be two gallons before you pay for it so that reading on the screen and what you believe to be two gallons is what we call calibration how do we know how do we make that connection so you see a green and white sticker by ghana standards authority that is put on these pumps that certifies that the machine has been calibrated well when you calibrate it once it's not forever with continued use the calibration goes off a little bit and they will tell you the next date you have to calibrate mm. and this is where i think we all have to hold our hands up as healthcare professionals and healthcare institutions do we calibrate our bp apparatuses regularly big question well the ghana science authority the gsa has the capacity to do calibration of all of these devices actually when you bring a machine a device into the country for use they will demand for it to be calibrated so that you know that the me measurement is accurate so that's very very important the choice that the choice of technique that you use must also be what we call a validated method so if we are measuring the blood pressure using the manual method or using um, the electronic devices that method strapping it around the cuff uh, around the, the cuff on the arm and checking the blood pressure it must be a validated method it's a scientific way of saying that 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 you would get a correct reading that's validation so uh, that one is our job you don't need to worry about that but the devices it is not most of the time people come to me in the clinic and they'll say oh i bought this thing in germany you know what they say about german machines <laughs> you know it's good no it's about calibration even if it's made in cantamount once it's calibrated it is good enough if it is not calibrated you got it for the united states it's problematic so that's number one now number two is strapping the cuff on properly so i mean if you look at my my arm my biceps and we compare it with yours Don't. big difference <laughs> 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 all right and then if we go into the into macula right now big difference <laughs> but more, more often than not the cuff that we are using same size whether i come in or you come in or 
the Diasa people come in, it's the same calf that sometimes is being used. Will tell you that you'd get very wrong figures if you have an individual who comes in and the calf is not able to occupy at least two thirds of the arm, and the arm is a part of your body between your shoulder and your elbow. That is the arm. So a mask, when you apply it properly, it must cover at least two thirds. Some will even push it up to eighty percent of the arm mm. must be covered by the calf, and then your elbow is resting or is supported. And the sphig is at a level, the device at a level at the same as your heart. So when we all see the national pledge, you know, we, all, we all know where the heart is. Put our hands over the, the, the heart. So that level, you can imagine it at that level and you place the cuff there. And then you measure the blood pressure. It's advisable to take two readings um, and then strike the average. But again, there are different guidelines uh, depending on where you are. Now, a few uh, pointers. Don't drink any caffeinated beverage, no coffee, or smoke during the 30 minutes before the test. Number two, sit quietly for 10 minutes before the check begins. So sometimes when you enter the consulting or the hospital and then we ask you to wait, uh, there's a reason why we're asking you to sit down and wait patiently. Not that we don't want to attend to you, but we want the blood pressure to be a true reflection. So we'll give you about 10 minutes. During the measurement, sit in a chair with your feet on the floor and your arms supported so your elbow is about heart level. The inflatable part of the cuff should completely cover, as I said, at least 80% of your arm and the cuff should be placed on the bare skin, if possible, um, not over a shirt. Don't talk during the measurement. You know, so in the marketplace, when they are doing all of that and people are talking and beckoning, trying to attract customers and all of that, it's a bit of a problem. And then your blood pressure must be measured at least twice with a brief break in between. All right. So there's also another question. Right arm, left arm, which one should I use? Um, well, it's a bit difficult there because there's no standardization to that. Um, but I saw some studies that looked at blood pressure, right arm, left arm. 7.8% of the time, the blood pressure was elevated in the right arm. 7.2% of the time, it was elevated only in the left arm. And then 6.4% of the time, it was elevated in both. So you can take it left arm, right arm, and then strike the average. Or if not possible, then you take it in the right arm. And you take it two times, and then you take the average. So usually when you sit in the consulting room, the way we position the chair, you'd realize that we will take the reading on your right arm the way we position the chair in the consulting room. Right. Now, why all the fuss about hypertension? Why do we make a lot of noise about it? Why do we talk about it at every opportunity that we get? I think May was the month of hypertension. The World, Health, World Hypertension Day is 17th May. Well, let me share with you some of the complications. And for me, it is how deadly this disease can be. The complications of hypertension are broadly classified into two. We have what we call the acute complications and then the chronic complications. The acute complications, I've nicknamed them the gone too soon phenomenon. Mm. So these days we see a lot of that in the, in the posters and then uh, funeral announcements and all of that. Is it gone too soon? Why gone too soon? Well, the acute complications happen suddenly. 
So an apparently healthy individual suddenly experiences certain symptoms. What are those symptoms? Chest pain, also called angina, is one of the things that can happen if you have poorly controlled hypertension. A heart attack, which occurs when the blood supply to the heart is blocked, a condition we call atherosclerosis. I'm sure um, uh, my colleagues here will talk about that into much more detail when they take their turn. Irregular heartbeat. So when your blood pressure is too high, uh, your heart can have a certain irregularity to the rhythm. And then hypertension can also cause a burst or a blockade in the arteries that supply blood to the brain, which then gives you a stroke. Mm. These are the acute complications of high blood pressure. And an individual can die suddenly from these things, probably with the exception of angina. Um, most people or some individuals can die from these things. So these are the, the acute things. But there are also what we call the chronic complications. They're killing me softly things. That's how I nickname them. It takes you slowly, it takes your life away, it chips away at your health without you knowing. So everybody will say, oh, but we saw Dr. Safu here and he was fine and we met Lexis here, he was hosting this show. Why is it that all of a sudden he has a myriad of health challenges? And then in Ghana, typically you think that somebody's doing you, as we see. <laughs> because a lot of things just pop up all of a sudden. So the first thing I want to talk about as a chronic complication is something called atherosclerosis. Look, when the blood pressure spikes, it damages the blood vessel wall and it leads to a thickening and a narrowing of the blood vessel in very simple terms. And this is what we call atherosclerosis. Again, Dr. Yakoba and then Lecha will talk a lot more about this when they take their turn. The second complication is blindness. Something we call a retinopathy. Kwame, the retina is the image plate where we all form images before it goes to the brain so we can see. All right? Hypertension can damage that image plate in your eye and lead to blindness. Number three, it can cause dementia. Dementia is a disease that takes away your dignity. It is a progressive decline in your cognitive abilities, your ability to think, your ability to memorize things, your ability to do what we call visuospatial thinking, think abstractly and all of that. All put together, we'll talk about your cognitive abilities. And dementia can be a result, a chronic complication of poorly controlled hypertension. Can be a certain type of dementia we call vascular dementia. Number four, chronic kidney disease. And I think two weeks ago on the Super Morning Show, I had the opportunity to discuss with Dr. Tano um, the, the, the near epidemic proportions of, of chronic kidney disease, the rising levels of chronic kidney disease. And globally, in most kidney centers, you would find hypertension and diabetes be again being one and two. I'm sure again, Dr. Yakoba will talk about that when she tells us about diabetes. Number six, you can have something we call heart failure. Number seven, and very, very important to the men, we have something we call erectile dysfunction. Erectile dysfunction. I think it's one of the, one of the key barriers to, to, to hypertension in this country, especially in men, is this erectile dysfunction. Uh, most of the time, we make attributions to, to medicines for treating hypertension. Partially true, 
But the disease itself, if it is poorly controlled, can also cause erectile dysfunction. And the women are stakeholders here because if you are not performing, then they are also not happy. Mm. Uh, but the men, uh, it hits our ego when we are not able to do that. Lastly, death from cardiovascular diseases increases as the blood pressure rises. So the mortality rate, hypertension can kill you and it is killing a lot of people. So these are the chronic complications as I have listed them. Kwame, as I conclude my talk, let me talk about prevention of hypertension. Some lifestyle tips that hopefully can delay the onset of hypertension and also help in the treatment. The treatment of hypertension is not only medicines, so I don't want to focus on that. So let me talk about some lifestyle changes that can help to prevent and as well lower your high blood pressure. Number one, let's look at the do's first. There are about five of them. Eat more vegetables and fruits. Number two, sit, uh, uh, sit less. So no sedentary lifestyle. Number three, be more physically active. And I am happy to announce that uh, Dr. Yakoba is an avid cyclist. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. She knows That's how nice. to ride a bicycle. So for a woman, that is a very attractive thing. So anytime she's cycling around Legon, uh, she gets a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. So be more physically active, and it can include walking, running, cycling, or even dancing. Mm. All right? There are activities uh, that can build strength, and then you can also do even weight, weight lifting mm. uh, um, for that. Lose weight if you are overweight or obese. And then keep your appointments with your healthcare professional um, as um, you arrange it. Now, the don'ts, don't eat too much salty food. Eat foods, uh, don't eat foods high in saturated or trans fats. I'll leave that to Lecha to explain to us what trans fats uh, and saturated fats are. Don't smoke or use tobacco. Don't drink too much alcohol. And Philip will tell me that the alcohol brigade just went onto <laughs> social media and they are slaughtering me there. Um, as I always say, if you don't drink alcohol, there's no good reason to start. If you drink alcohol, then stick to the limits. And Kwame, I think on several occasions, we've talked about the standard allowable. Yeah. But again, I'll say it here. If you don't drink, there's no good reason to start. Don't miss your medications if you're on medications. Manage your stress. Mm. Manage your stress. Uh, but if IMF is in this country, I don't know how you can manage the stress. Regularly check your blood pressure and then also manage other medical conditions. Great. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening in. This is my 20-minute presentation on hypertension. Kwame. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the question that came in on our WhatsApp platform, but I'll save that for later. <laughs> if you, if you, if you saw that, that question. <laughs> All right, uh, 055-111-1997. That's our WhatsApp number. If you have any question, uh, you can you can send send them through to us. I'm I'm tempted to read Kwame's uh, message, but well, Kwame, we just, we saw your message anyway. 055-111-1997. Before we move on, Doc, um, I'm just curious. How does the pressure go high? What causes the high blood pressure or hypertension? What are the things? Million dollar question. 
So, uh, scientifically, for us to determine cause, we have to go through a certain process. And that process so far says that there is no known etiological factor. There's no known scientific cause. Mm. But what we have a tall list of associated factors, mm. associations. Okay. Meaning, if you take a particular associated factor, meaning you get a cohort of individuals who have that particular factor and another cohort who don't, then hypertension seems to occur in that cohort that has that factor. Number one, obesity. Okay. All right? It's a big factor. Mm. Number two, family history. Mm. It's a big factor. And that's why I always talk about knowing your family history. Yeah. Oh, you know what killed your mother? Oh, I don't know. She got sick and she died. You know, that seems to be the narrative most, most of the time. Smoking tobacco. Mm. It's also another risk factor. Type 2 diabetes. It's a risk factor. High blood cholesterol and so on and so forth. So these are associations with hypertension. Okay. You know, since you mentioned smoking, I guess I, I really have to ask Kwame Obin's question. He said we shouldn't smoke tobacco. How about ganja? Kwame, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I, I'm not looking at the screen, but I just knew it. Because yeah. anytime I mentioned tobacco, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, he didn't mention that thing, that, you know, weed. You know, so marijuana. Yeah. Right? Okay, so the jury's out on that. Marijuana has a lot of good or uh, medicinal properties. There are a lot of extracts right now, you know, CBD oils, you know, so they are they're good ones. We're using it in treatment of asthma, for example. We're using it for insomnia. But the doctors People are not smoking see. them to treat them, right? No, 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 we are not smoking. <laughs> yes. we, are, we, are not, we are not smoking the weed, you know, to treat this. So sometimes even how to deliver the active ingredient, you know, is that whole pharmaceutical development, mm. you know, thing. So we'll stick to what we know, and what we know is tobacco. The tobacco has been around for a long time. Um, a lot of research has gone into it. So smoking tobacco, we know, is a huge risk factor for um, hypertension. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Dr. Yalsaf is the CEO of Medicast Hospital, and we've been having a conversation about hypertension. Now, we'll have a conversation about diabetes, but our second conversation will be about cholesterol and diet um like dr safu mentioned um food is an integral part of preventing some of these cardiovascular diseases so what should we eat what should we not eat and all of that our very uh honorable author and registered dietitian was wise uh, Chukudi Lecher, he's a passionate dietitian who doesn't restrict his work to the confines of the hospital alone. He offers dietary advice to the general public through publications and on, on in, in the papers, on radio and whatnot. He holds a Master of Science degree in diet Dietetics and a Bachelor of Science degree in Nutrition and Food Science. And today he will speak to us about cholesterol and really what kind of foods that would help us avoid cardiovascular diseases mr weiss chukudi lecha welcome brother again thank you thank you and uh, i'm happy to be here and share um, my thoughts on this um, mm -hmm. issue of cardiovascular diseases yeah um, when, when you read the who key facts on um, cardiovascular diseases um, one of the um, associated um, uh, problems or uh, lifestyle issues or lifestyle uh, modifications have been proven to have um, a strong link and from um, 
Dr. Safo's presentation, we all heard um, how these lifestyle factors can affect uh, hypertension, right? Now, if unhealthy diets express themselves in so many ways, um, increasing the blood pressure, increasing the cholesterol levels, increasing blood sugar, which Dr. Yakuba will be talking about and all that. So it's so important to uh, really know about cholesterol and manage it because cholesterol, uh, when I move on, you really see how dangerous it can be. Uh, the white man calls it the silent killer because when you have high cholesterol, you will not feel headache or a sign. Uh, sometimes when your BP goes up, you may have a headache or you may have something to show. But then for cholesterol, silently, it's rising and it doesn't cause any problem. But then what is this cholesterol? It is defined as a fat-like waxy substance. I mean, when you go into, go into uh, our books um, and it's necessary uh, in the body, it can be used as an energy molecule. It forms part of cells. Um, cholesterol forms hormones and there's a tall list of good things that cholesterol can do but then when the levels go high then it causes uh, serious issues that are we throwing a lot of light on later we have what is called the good cholesterol and then the bad cholesterol so this is how it plays out uh, the cholesterol itself being something which looks like fat but not it's not fat has to be bound to proteins before it can be transported in the blood so the protein cholesterol combination expresses itself or themselves in different colors and shapes let me put it that way and that is what gives rise to what the types of cholesterol are there's one known as the hdl cholesterol um, full times is high density lipoproteins so lipo is for fat protein combination so mm. this fat-like substance combining with proteins to move freely in the blood. Now, the HDL that we call the good cholesterol removes bad cholesterol. So there's the other type, which I'll explain further. Bad cholesterol from the, the body, from blood and other parts where um, it's thawed, and moves them to the liver for destruction. So it kind of reduces the levels of the one that can cause problems. That is why it's called the good cholesterol. And also the bad cholesterol known as the LDL or the low density lipoproteins, uh, combination of uh, fat or fat-like substance, the cholesterol and protein, that is the one that causes problems. Mm. It can uh, lead to um, conditions that will ultimately lead to the block blockage of the blood vessels. Um, the, uh, that can eventually lead to strokes and um, um, even heart attacks depending on where the blockage is, is um, expressed right so um, that is for the bad cholesterol there's the ldl cholesterol there's also one type known as the vldl or very low density lipoproteins very different from the ldl uh, because of the type of the cholesterol that binds to the protein so that one has more of what we call the triglycerides or general fats binding with the proteins and those ones also contribute to disease, right? So out of all these subdivisions or classifications of cholesterol, it is the HDL, which is um, the, the, the good cholesterol. When I move on, I'll 
be talking about how to reduce the levels of the bad ones and how to increase the levels of the good ones. That's also very important. Within the cholesterol conversation, we should always be interested in increasing the HDL levels because it acts um, as a protective agent. Now, how do you know um, your cholesterol level is high um, or is bad? You have to test. Globally, um, nearly one out of three people are likely to have high cholesterol. So One out of three? Are likely to have high cholesterol. So it's so common. The only reason why I always say this anyway, I talk about cholesterol, that somebody may say that or may think that they don't have cholesterol is because they've not tested, right? So uh, it's better we go do the test now and know our status because high cholesterol can be reduced to normal. And I have seen this it in my clinics uh, reducing very bad cholesterol levels with the lifestyle modifications, changing the diet and exercising, right? So get tested, that is so important. There's no way that cholesterol will give you a sign that you probably have, maybe you're vomiting, you have temperature, then um, a doctor will suspect that you have an infection and stuff like that, no. So the testing is so important. Even children where um, uh, there's the family history to cholesterol. Children can have high cholesterol. So there are some children that recommendations are that even at the age of two, they should be tested, mm. right? And from nine years, they should be tested and tested every five years and stuff like that. And for adults, at least once a year, you should have a cholesterol test done so that you know your levels. Now, how does cholesterol affect health? The bad cholesterol gets deposited in the inner lining of the blood vessels and it attracts other compounds and uh, when there's hardening um, and the hardening peels off a bit there can be bleeding in the vessels and scarring and stuff like that all those um, behaviors or uh, events can lead to the total blockage of the blood vessels now blood carries life carries oxygen food nutrients and everything so where there's the blockage beyond that point tissues will not receive their fair share of oxygen and everything that they need at the end of the day they get starved they may die right so they can be this this conditions can lead to tissue death um, certain types of stroke and all that right so high cholesterol is a risk factor for cardiovascular diseases for stroke Coronary, coronary heart diseases and stuff like that. So they are very, very different um, classification. If you ask, I'm sure if you ask Dr. Osafo to expand shade on this, uh, we will not be able to live here today, right? Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is to try and have um, normal levels of cholesterol. Now, the how does it? How does diet? Um, the right, the wrong diet increase cholesterol. That's that's the the question I want to ask and answer. Now, if we eat too much food, you end up, or anyone who eats too much food, you end up having to store the excess because the body cells um, in your intralexis you. You said something about body composition and all that. So all those cells, network of blood vessels and all that, that organs, they have 
um, certain energy requirements, right? So in total, the whole body has a requirement of energy. And depending on your body size, your weight, your age, your height and all that, there's a certain quantity of food that your body needs to maintain the body. Now, if you end up eating more than that, what you do is that you cause the body to store the excess food. And in storing the excess food, it becomes, they can also be stored as fat. It can be stored, excess sugars and all that can be stored as fat. Excess fat to be stored as fat. And all that contributes to increasing the cholesterol levels. Mind you, the human body produces the cholesterol it needs. That's about a, a third of the total cholesterol in our system. The body makes it. And that's all the body needs. So where does the excess come from? The things that we consume. So if you take in um, doc, uh, Dr. Safo's book about saturated fats, trans fats, so foods that contain those bad fats, they will increase the cholesterol levels. Now, what are some of those foods? Animal fats. So meat, for example. The fat in meat can increase the cholesterol levels. It is not that meat can increase the cholesterol, but then the fat in it. Now, a lot of meat eaters, people who eat a lot of meat, they put on weight because of the fats in the meat, not the protein per se. Now, if you don't handle the oils, the normal oils that we consume well, you can also develop cholesterol because of that. So from my observations and analysis from people's history and all that, I noticed that anyone who eats oil, uh, sorry, who eats stew in a country can have high cholesterol. I'll explain why I say that. You know, you're talking about our regular stews. Stews. So if you oh, ate okay. something today and there was stew with it, you should go and check your cholesterol levels tomorrow. Calm down, calm right. down. Right. So why do I say that? The way we cook stew, mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, my mother taught me how to cook well and how to make stew. Luckily, after studying diet, I, I, I held a seminar and she was part of it. And she learned healthy cooking methods. She's one of my biggest fans when it comes to nutrition and one of my biggest motivators, right? Now, we pour the oil in the pan and then we add onions to the oil. That onion is supposed to burn to become black and give a certain flavor to the stew. Then normally it's taken out of the, the, the oil, the, the, oil. The, the burnt ones are taken out, the fresh ones are introduced. We go through those kind of processes. So um, on average, depending on the quantity of stew that is being prepared and then the skills of the one cooking the stew, we can spend 45 minutes cooking one stew, one hour cooking one stew. At the end of that process, the heat that we put under the oil, it breaks the bonds within the oil. And the air blowing over the oil also causes, once there's heat, the environment for chemical reaction is enhanced. The speed of the reactions are enhanced. Oil, the air blowing over will also cause hydrogenation. So the process, all this cooking methods and all that, number one, increases the amount of saturated fats in our stews and also increases the amount of trans fats in in and or oxygenated or ox, yes um, hydrogenated fats or trans fats in the, the 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 food right so that is why 
when you pass through my office, I'll advise you that for the stew, cook the uh, vegetables first. Let oil come in towards the end so that you don't have to keep that oil for too long on on fire. F- let me bring in time is running out. Um, um, other dietary uh, practices that can increase cholesterol. If you drink um, a lot of soft drinks, you push in a lot of sugar. Often soft drinks are associated with diabetes and obesity and all that. So through those means, your cholesterol can go up. So people who are diabetic easily have high cholesterol as well because of the movement of the blood and all that um, uh, due to sugar present in the blood. And also the obesity. You take in a lot of sweetened stuff, you become overweight and obese, which is also um, a reason why the cholesterol can go up. It's not to say that someone who is obese will have high cholesterol because even if I run an analysis on the number of cholesterol patients I attend to in a year, um, less than half of them are obese. That is also to advise people who are slim that the fact that you are slim doesn't mean you cannot have high cholesterol, right? You can be slim like me, but your cholesterol can be high because of the kind of things and the overheated oils um, you, you take in. I cannot uh, conclude this uh, session without mentioning alcohol. If you, the wrong use of alcohol can also increase cholesterol levels. And uh, if you abuse fruits, let me also put this out. Because this is one of the things that um, helps our patients a lot. If you, you know, we know that fruits are good. Um, so we end up abusing them. Any food that is good and you overeat can also cause problems. So when I started sharing the tips, I said that when you eat too much food, fruits are also part of that uh, group. So if you end up eating a lot of fruits, what you are doing is you are taking in a lot of fruit sugar. It's called fructose. And high intake of fructose leads to high bad cholesterol as well. Right. So what are some of the things that we can do to reduce the cholesterol in terms of diet and lifestyle changes? Get the, the diet right. Watch your portions. If you used to get satisfied on three balls of king K, two balls of king K, begin to reduce that. If you are overweight and obese, begin to decline the BMI ladder. I use this illustration. You know, the, the body mass index is classified from normal range to overweight to obesity. So if you are in obesity range, the aim should be to come to normal range. Uh, sorry, to come to the overweight range. If you are in the overweight range, the aim should be to come to the um, normal range, right? So when we sit as dietitians and even work on people's weights, we are not, we don't act as magicians that can bring weight down from obesity to normal within a month. No, um, I have patients who have dropped from obesity with a BMI of 35 and all that, now BMI of 26, but it takes time, maybe two years, one and a half years, and they're able to achieve those those goals. So losing weight is one of the ways to deal with uh, cholesterol problems. So if you have high cholesterol and your weight goes down by one or two kilos in a month, you are sure reducing the total fatness of your body or fat levels in your body. And cholesterol is also stored as part of all these fats. Um, in the body, right? So losing weight is one. And eating a lot of fiber-rich foods. Uh, let me start with our contumery, with ayoyo, with um, um, garden eggs, stew, and all those kind of things. That will give you 
fiber or roughage um yes that's the common term and roughage will the, the fiber will reduce the amount of the bad fats that your body absorbs and the amount of sugar that your body absorbs and all that it's a way to deal with cholesterol so you have to ensure that every meal you have there is some vegetables in there and you must reduce intake of fried foods if you want your cholesterol to be normal or reduced how much frying are you uh, involved with we eat we take cocoa and kose in the morning fried rice uh, if you only have a 401k you're not getting the most for retirement wait what add a Robinhood ira on top then they'll boost it by three percent you can do that and if you transfer in any retirement account you get three percent on top of that is there a limit to the match no limit Robinhood gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any ira on the market sign up for Robinhood gold at robinhood.com boost by april 30th subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Robinhood financial LLC, member SIPC.